Father, I thank you that as your children, Lord, we are family. And so often we cry with one another. Thank you, Lord, that we can rejoice and we can even laugh with one another. Lord, I thank you for everybody who volunteers to take part in the worship service and in the work of this church. Lord, I pray that we would always work together because we are serving not ourselves or not even Teresa Church, but we're serving Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be found faithful in all that we do. And as we come to these moments when we can open the Word of God, Lord, I just thank you that through the Gospels we can walk along beside Jesus and through the Word hear Him teach and hear Him preach and see Him heal and see Him teach about things that we need to be mindful of and things that we need to do. So, Father, today as we enter into your word and as we hear Jesus, remind us, Father, of the need we have to give thanks to our Savior and our God. Father, please use the words that you have given unto me to speak to all of our hearts, including mine. And, Father, help us again to become thankful people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Follow as I read Luke 17, verses 1 through 19, a story that you know well, a story that you've heard sermons on before. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood, stood at a distance and lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then said Jesus, This is a focal verse, verse 17. Then said Jesus, were not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. It is sad and it is hard for me to confess that this Thursday will be the 64th Thanksgiving day of my life. But I believe that as each year has gone by, I express thanksgiving less and less. I express thanksgiving less and less to God, my Creator, and to Jesus, my Savior. I express thanksgiving less to my wife and children and grandchildren, to my friends and neighbors, to fellow church members and believers. Listen to what Paul told the Christians in Thessalonica 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is a will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us that we be people who give thanks, not only to God and to our Lord, but for one another and to one another. Two weeks ago, 
this was brought to my attention as on a trip to Durham, I was listening again, and I hope y'all don't get tired of me mentioning Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers has become my mentor in a way, and again, this man's been dead for a number of years. But Adrian Rogers had a sermon on complaining and thanksgiving. Think of all the things that we complain about. Now, let's be honest. Not only as a nation, but as individuals, don't we gripe and complain a lot. And don't point your finger at anybody else and say, yeah, my wife does, my husband does, my children do. We truly have become a nation of complainers. Everybody's whining. And Adrian Rogers gave this illustration among many that really shook me riding down the road. He said, some of us complain about dirty dishes. Have you ever done that? got to clean the dishes, and if you're fortunate, you got to put them in the dishwasher. And I'm not only talking about adults, but young people, if your parents have given you the responsibility and the privilege, <laughs> I know you don't like that, of putting dishes up or putting them in the dishwasher or even washing them, have you complained about having dirty dishes? And Adrian Rogers said, people in Bangladesh or any area of the world where people are literally starving to death would be glad to have dirty dishes. I'd never thought about it that way. And folks, I began to think about the things that I complain about. And I ask you to take inventory of the things that you complain about also. And I'm just going to be very general in what I'm about to say, but I ask you to think about these things this coming week. How many of us as parents have not complained about our children some way that they have let us down or frustrated us? But I thought we need to pray this Thanksgiving Day for those who have lost children in recent years or for children who cannot physically come home for Thanksgiving Day. And if we have children that are living, should we not thank God for them, even if they do get on our last nerve? They are a gift from God. And how about our parents? We need this Thursday to pray for people who have lost their parents to death and to sickness. And if our parents are living, we need to thank God for our parents. How about our spouses? Yes, honey, I'm saying this in a sermon, okay? How many of us complain about our wives and our husbands? Will we pray Thursday for those who no longer have spouses? Will we ask God to bless them as they celebrate another holiday without that person that gave so much meaning to their life? And will you and I on this Thanksgiving Day thank God for our spouses and express that to them? Folks, on and on this list could go. 
why have you and I, why have we stopped being thankful people? And I want to just mention three possible reasons this morning, and I believe there perhaps are many, many more. Reason number one would be our attitude of entitlement. How many of us feel that we deserve everything we have and we expect more and more from others, even from God? And folks, this has inched its way and rushed its way into Christianity. And there's one concept of Christianity that if we name it and claim it, then God's got to provide it. Folks, God does not have to give us anything, but if we are honest and looking at life, God has given us far more than we could have ever imagined having. And let me give you an example of this. Let me read two verses to you out of Genesis chapter 32, verses 9 and 10. And folks, before I read these two verses, let me, let me point something out, okay? The man Jacob is, is talking to God. If you know anything about this passage of Scripture, in the past, Jacob has been very deceitful. Even he and his mother had hatched a plan so that Jacob would get a blessing and birthright from his father. And it caused a great rift. He had to leave, leave his family, leave especially his brother who wanted to kill him. And he'd been gone for a long period of time. During that period of time, even though he had been such a deceitful person, God had blessed him. He had become so great. And then God said, I want you to go back to your homeland and I want you to meet your brother again. Jacob really didn't want to go. But listen to what Jacob says in verse 32 of Genesis, chapter 32, verses 9 and 10. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, thou didst say to me, return to your country and to your kindred, and I will do you good. God's promising, if you are obedient to me, I'm going to bless you even more. And listen to what he says. And folks, listen. When it's just you and me, just you and God and me and God, we're going to be gut on to start with. Because when we're standing before God and we're speaking to God, we can't lie to Him and we can't fool Him. And this is what He says in verse 10. Listen to this. I am not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness. Look at those two things. I am not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and the faithfulness which thou hast shown thy servant. For with only my staff. I've often thought about this verse. When he left home, he had to get out of there in a hurry. All he had was his staff. What a shepherd would use to, to herd sheep or help him walk in places that were difficult to walk. And he said, when I cross this Jordan, this is the only thing I had. And if you read the story of Jacob, how God blessed him, he says, now I have two companies. Folks, God had multiplied everything that he had. But he finally came to the recognition, I am not worthy, God, of what you've given to me. 
Has that been in our statement of faith to God, that we're not worthy? And folks, we had this attitude of entitlement that keeps us from being thankful. And secondly, we give credits, credit for all our blessings. We give ourselves credit and not God. Folks, in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, and I, this is not on the overhead. I just want to read a portion of a verse. Romans 1, 21. And in that chapter, Paul is describing some of the rebellion of the world against God. And folks, listen to what he says. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Isn't this an indicator of people who are turning away from God when we do not honor him as God and we do not give him thanks? Folks, years ago, and and I, I hope I've got this right, the name of the movie, and I remember it was Jimmy Stewart, but there was a movie years ago, a, a Western movie entitled Shenandoah. I think I'm right, the title of that. And Jimmy Stewart stood down, sat down with his family at the table. He was a farmer. And, and I can't remember somebody asked him to say grace or he said, I'm going to say grace, man. This is what basically he said. I planted the land. I nurtured the crop. I harvested the crop. And now I'm going to eat the food I produced. Now, was that a prayer of thanksgiving to God? No. It talked about what I have done, I have done, I have done. And sometimes we're guilty of that. All that we have done, do we thank God for his blessings on us? And, and this is going to be very simple, and you might think very childish, but how often do we now in our, today's world stop to say the blessing? Even acknowledging that God gave us what we have, even to eat. Are we teaching our children to bless and thank God, not only at the table, but for all of his, all of his provisions? Do we give God credit for all he does for us on a day-to-day basis? Even life itself. I remember hearing on the radio an old preacher praying, Thank you, God, for waking me up this morning. He did, didn't he? Didn't he watch over us through the night? Folks, in essence, you and I cannot live, breathe, or even function except by God's blessing and grace upon us. Our physical and mental abilities to function, our abilities to work, they come from God. How about being thankful for our family and our friends, especially for our Christian friends? How about being thankful for the provisions that he gives us daily? I'm sure that I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell it again. For many of us, do you remember when you first got married or perhaps, and I ain't got to this part yet, but when you, when you retired? I remember when Debbie and I first got married and we were in seminary, and to be quite frank with you, I was a full-time student. She was the breadwinner, and she would get paid once a month, and we would sit down and pay our bills, and then we would go to the grocery store. I never had to pay for groceries until I moved away from home, y'all. And I didn't know how expensive stuff was. Now, this is back in 1975. But I remember that when we would get to the grocery store, we knew that we had X amount of money to spend on groceries. We would go inside, tabulate the amount, 
And I'd be so upset that we were getting so little for that amount that I would tell Debbie to go on out to the car and let me pay for this. And I'll come on that because I, she'll testify. I always got mad at the register. I didn't try and take it out on the person. But I just thought, this is crazy. We ought to get more groceries for that amount of money. But I do remember, and I really mean this, that when we got home and, and unpacked the groceries and put them up, I said, thank you, Lord, for providing for what we have. You see, for many of us, our wages have gone up, and we've gotten confused. It is not an increase in salary that causes us to have more, but the provider of all of our blessings. And who is that provider? It is the Lord God. There's a third reason I mentioned Even as Christians, we're following the example of the world. I hate to even mention this because I am a pretty childish person. Most of my food comes during the day comes through a drive-through window, and it just ticks me off for someone not to say thank you. Because don't them folks understand at fast food restaurants, if there weren't customers coming, they wouldn't have a job. And it would at least be nice to say thank you for stopping and purchasing your food, which isn't always put together right and sometimes is cold. And if you've been in a long, a long line, you're not going to sit there while everybody blows their horn at you while you ask for warmer food. And I've gotten to the point where I say thank you to them, hoping that they'll say thank you. And the other day at the drive-thru, I gave the man my money, and I said, thank you. And he said, no problem, man. (laughs) It wasn't a problem for him, but it was a problem for me. (laughs) I'm not trying to be silly. But I wonder sometimes if God's saying, would you simply thank me? Would you simply recognize that everything you have is from me? And I want to bless you even more. And then the most beautiful thing about God, whatever we've got, He wants to do better. And He wants to give us more. Listen to this verse. Psalms 37, 25 in the Living Bible. Listen to this. I have been young and now I am old. In all my years, I've never seen the Lord forsake a man who loves him, nor have I seen the children of the godly go hungry. Amen? Amen. Let me get to the story, and I'm going to do this fast, okay? You know the story of Luke 17, the ten lepers. It is a divine appointment for Jesus to meet these ten lepers. Jesus has already healed a leper in uh, the Gospel of Luke, so it's not unusual, it's not out of character with Jesus to heal a leper, even though that was the most dreaded skin disease. Um, Some people thought that leprosy came because of sin. It was very painful, very ugly. Uh, people who had leprosy could not live with the other people. They had to separate themselves in camps, and they could only be with other lepers. Uh, 
And folks, most often the person who got leprosy died with leprosy because there was no known cure. And for you to be healed, it had to be an act of God. With that last statement in mind, healing from leprosy had to be an act of God. Let me read to you Luke chapter 7, verse 22, and let me quickly tell you. John the Baptist is in prison. He has sent a couple of his disciples to make sure that Jesus is the Messiah. And they say, are you the one? And listen to Jesus' response. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. One sign that Messiah had come was that lepers would be healed. And it seems strange to us in verse 14, why did Jesus say to them, go show yourself to the priest? Because Jesus was honoring the teaching of the Old Testament in Leviticus 13 and 14 that when a person was healed of leprosy, the priest had to examine them and to declare him or her able to join back into society. This was a way to keep this disease from spreading. But Jesus here is saying, you are healed. Because you see, as as they went they noticed that they were cleansed. And it was an act of faith to be obedient to Jesus to go find the priest to be examined. And so here they have faith that Jesus of Nazareth was a healer. And you see, folks, surely word had gotten out around everywhere. There's nothing this man, Jesus of Nazareth, cannot do. But in verse 15, and this is really sad. That so often when God works in our life, our response to him is not thanksgiving. And listen to this. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and went to Jesus. And folks, it doesn't take a, a, a smart mathematician to know there were ten and only one went back and the other nine did not go back and thank the Lord. Ninety percent of this group that was healed didn't give Jesus any time, any thanksgiving, except this one man or 10%. And I want to ask you, which group are we in? The 90%, the 10%. And listen in verse 15 and 16 what true thanksgiving will cause us to do. Okay, there's so much more in this passage of Scripture. But let me just, number one in verse 15, this man did what? Praising God with a loud voice. Now, don't you believe in verse 13, when all of the ten lepers were asking for Jesus to cleanse them in a loud voice, they were just crying out, Lord, heal us. Have mercy on us. Heal us. If you had this disease, would you not be crying out to the Lord to heal you? Surely we all would. But now this man who has been healed, he praises God with a loud voice. Do people hear us regularly and genuinely praising God, regardless of the volume? The second thing that he did, he fell on his feet at face at Jesus' feet. This is a posture of worship, 
a posture of worship. And thirdly, in verse 16, he gave him thanks or adoration to love greatly. This man praised the Lord, he worshipped him, and he loved him. And folks, Jesus says he is a foreigner. Dr. Luke says that he is a Samaritan. Why do they say this? Are they degrading this man? Absolutely not. What Jesus is pointing out that the lack of gratitude by the other nine men pictured the rejection of Jesus and his ministry by the nation of Israel. You see, Jesus alone not only had the power to cleanse the leper, but Jesus had the power to cleanse the nation of Israel of their sin, and they would not come to him for that. And these nine people who who apparently were Jews felt that they deserved to be healed. It was no special act of love or mercy. And so they would not return to Jesus and thank him. And folks, isn't it a truth that those who do the most for us are the ones we appreciate the least? Is our relationship with our Lord that way? Listen again closely to verse 17. Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Ninety percent ran away. No thanks, no praise. One man returned and fell at the feet of Jesus. But folks, let me point out one other truth in this passage of Scripture in verse 19. Our praise and thanksgiving to God opens the door for God to do even more. And listen to this for just a second. Jesus says in that last statement in verse 19, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Folks, it's much more than Jesus just healing this man. And let me explain what I mean. By coming to Jesus, the man received something greater than physical healing. He was also saved from his sin. Because the literal translation of that phrase is this, Your faith has saved you. And if you say, oh, how do you know that? And in Luke chapter 7, verse 50, there is a woman of the town that is described as a terrible sinner who comes to a place where Jesus has been invited for supper. She brings a, 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 a little container of oil, begins to wash the Lord's feet. Her tears are so great that they also are mingled in. She washes his feet with with her hair, and people who are sitting there saying, if Jesus were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this woman is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And at the end of that passage of Scripture, this is what Jesus said to the woman. He said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see, the Samaritan was healed of leprosy. The nine were declared clean by the priest that they went to to be examined by, but the Samaritan is declared saved by the Son of God. Physical healing is a wonderful miracle, but eternal salvation is the most wonderful healing of all. We as Christians must cultivate the attitude of gratitude by praising our Savior by worshiping our Savior, and by loving our Savior. In closing, let me read something, and 
And I, this fell out of, out of one of the folders I had. It's entitled, How to Observe Thanksgiving. I don't know how well you're going to be able to see that. How to Observe Thanksgiving, and the author is unknown. Count your blessings instead of your crosses. Count your gains instead of your losses. Count your joys instead of your woes. Count your friends instead of your foes. Count your smiles instead of your tears. Count your courage instead of your fears. Count your full years instead of your lean. Count your kind deeds instead of your mean. Count your health instead of your wealth. Count on God instead of yourself. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Let's pray. Father, as we celebrate another Thanksgiving, Lord, help us truly to develop an attitude of gratitude for all that you do for us. And perhaps for many this has been a very difficult year, but I thank you, Father, that there's always something we can praise you for. And I thank you that one day when we see you face to face, we'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt how blessed we have been, especially to enter into your eternal kingdom and to be surrounded by your presence and your love throughout eternity. Father, help us to see all that you do for us. And God, help us as we see the blessings that you've given unto us that we will be found faithful to you. Father, teach us this week to be thankful. And Lord, may we be reminded this week of of how we have been blessed. And may we lift up to you others, Lord, who whose lives perhaps even this year have been difficult. We know that you've been faithful and will be faithful to them. But help us, Father, to lift up others who have such great needs and help us to thank you for providing all of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.